Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window. Rest chin on ground, look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door, check window, check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verram alongside Josh Hill. Week five, most of it anyway, in the books. We are recording during the Sunday night game. We're at halftime right now. It's with Houston and Dallas, so that'll be, I'm sure, a thrilling watch uh, the next 30 minutes. But we have a lot to get to. Obviously, it was a Thursday night game. New England, we saw Josh Gordon make an impact. We saw New England continue to kind of get on stride. Uh, but there was a lot of good football, interesting football on Sunday. And Hill, I'll let you lead off. What caught your eye to this point here in week five? Uh, all the rookie quarterbacks won. <laughs> so there is that. Josh Rosen gets the Cardinals' first win. They go out to San Francisco. Uh, we we kind of had this conversation during the games, specifically about the Miami Dolphins. But I think this is a thing across the league. We still don't really know what teams are like the, for a while it looked like the Dolphins were going to beat the Bengals we were having a conversation about oh man is you know the Bengals are they regressing back to the mean should we now start taking the Dolphins more seriously and obviously that ended up working out in the Bengals favor and we figured out exactly who the uh, Ryan Tannehill led Dolphins are which is nothing but you just take a look at the Packers you take a look at last week the Bears who are off this week and some of these other teams like the Jaguars the Patriots who are these teams? Like, Are they going to be consistent versions of themselves, or is this going to be a thing like the first couple of weeks with the Bucks, where there fits, fits magic, and it's great, and it's awesome, and then they come crashing back to earth? The Falcons are another example of this. They lose in Pittsburgh today. What are they? Are they going to figure it out, or is this what they're going to be? Is this who they are? So that was, that was kind of my biggest takeaway is we like to pretend like we have, we're, we're reading where these teams are. For some of them, we, we're seeing where they're going. But some of these teams still have to figure things out, and they are absolutely running out of time. Yeah, look, there's a term that you always hear in college football, and, and you hear it especially in golf, and you know, moving day, or in college football, it's moving week. And I see that sometimes in the NFL. At least I'll look at a, a slate of games and say, you know, I think we could really kind of see some separation here. And I felt like this was the first week uh, that, that we had that in the NFL. Look, there were some teams that really kind of separated themselves from the pack for me. The Vikings got a big win. Shows me that that team is a serious contender like we thought they were in the preseason. Yeah, they're 2-2-1, but they, they went on the road. They beat Philadelphia. They played well in the game. I was impressed by them. Uh, I thought Kansas City knocking off Jacksonville, the way they knocked off Jacksonville, impressed me quite a bit. Um, and and it also showed me some things with Jacksonville that I've always believed, and that is that Bortles, you're just not going to win against good teams all the time with him. You're, you're going to struggle to do it consistently. Obviously, they beat New England. He played great. They go to Kansas City. He turns the ball over five times. Um, you know, Tennessee, 
you know, we, you talk about, well, our team's a contender. They pretend that you go to Buffalo and score 12 points. Mariota's out there throwing for a buck 29. You're a pretender. I'm sorry. I don't need to see more of Tennessee to know that. Um, so I, I think there were some games that showed me some things. The Falcons, to me, are done now, one and fourth, all the injuries they have. Uh, and, and, you know, the last one of those things I mentioned is the team you mentioned, the Dolphins. The Dolphins, 3-0, and they go to Foxborough, they get waxed. Okay, well, what are they? They're up 17-0 against the Bengals. You say, wow, hey, you know, the Dolphins, okay. Maybe just an off week. Then they give up 27 straight points in the fourth quarter, or in the second half, rather. Um, so to me, I feel, to kind of piggyback off what you said, I feel like I have a much better read on what the NFL is here as we move into you know, early to mid-October. Yeah, and look, as we move further into October or through October and towards November, the wild card race is something that we're going to start looking forward to. And that, to me, like Cleveland wins today, barely. <laughs> Literally, yeah. they knuckleball a game-winning field goal. But like that, this is the time for those teams either to be in the conversation before they fade out or, as I'm sure we're going to get to, speaking of the Browns, not that I think that they're a serious contender, but the AFC, holy cow, that is a conference that is wide open, about as wide open as it gets. Yeah, and you know we'll get into it as we go through the games, as we always do. The AFC North, to me in particular, is mm-hmm. just, it's a wide open division. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams finished that last, and I wouldn't be shocked if any of them made the playoffs, and that includes Cleveland. Uh, the only caveat is Cleveland, just, the head coach terrifies me. Just terrifies me beyond words. I, don't, I do not trust him at all. He looked like when they kicked the game when he filled one overtime that he wasn't sure that they won the game. Like, he looked up at the clock, and he was saying, like, two seconds. Like, he didn't understand that, that no, Hugh, it's over. You yeah. won, man. <laughs> like, you go home now and stuff. Um, so that's my only caveat. But, look, let's get to the week six lines uh, from Westgate via ESPN. And then we'll, we'll go down the line. And like we always do, if you're new to the show, we'll break down all the games. We'll give our predictions and our picks. And we'll kind of talk a few minutes about each team. And while we're going over the week six games, we'll kind of backtrack and go over what those teams did in week five and what we think about them moving forward. So the first game on the slate, a Thursday night affair, and it is an NFC East matchup. The Eagles are at the Giants. The Giants are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home in the game. And uh, I'll lead off here. Look, Philadelphia is two-and-three. The Giants would have been two-and-three, except Graham Gano can hit a 63-yard field goal, apparently. So the Giants are one and four. There's all this stuff going on with Beckham talking to Josephine Anderson, I believe, of ESPN. Uh, you know, not throwing Eli Manning under the bus necessarily, but not really defending him either. Um, and Pat Shermer was reportedly really ticked off about it. I, I think the Eagles are going to smack the Giants around. I-, I think the Eagles know they have to win. They're two and three, and the Giants stink. I- you know, I know that's not exactly a hard-hitting analysis, but sometimes it's just what it is. The Giants are terrible. The Giants offensively, 
Every once in a blue moon, they'll make a play. They actually made some plays against Carolina, but far too often they can't get anything going. I think they struggle a lot against the Eagles front in this game. The Eagles, the second half of the game against Minnesota, they played a lot better. Uh, they just ran out of time. They, they couldn't do enough. They lost 23-21. I like Philly in the game. I like them to win. I like them to cover. I just look at the Giants and think, will they look back in a decade from now or far sooner and say, I can't believe we passed on Sam Darnold. Saquon Barkley might be very good, but man, Eli Manning is cooked. That defense stinks. And I just look at the Giants, and to me, they are dead on arrival most weeks. They, to me, they made the Saquon Barkley selection because they wanted to win now. That was a win-now move. You don't draft a franchise quarterback to eventually take over for Eli Manning if you think you're going to win Right now, and that was a gamble. Okay, Gettleman gambled on the defense was going to be better than it was last year. Uh, Shermer's going to come in, and he's going to get the offense grooving more than it was last year under Ben McAdoo, which is a very low bar to clear, which apparently Shermer is very, having a very hard time doing. It's a little too early for me right now to say, yes, they made the mistake passing on Darnold because we're only five games into these guys' careers. And who knows? I mean, Barkley looks like he's going to have a great career. But I do agree that we're going to be looking back at this in a, in a couple of years and say, wow, I can't believe the Pets. I don't know what's going to happen in this upcoming draft. Maybe they get a kid in the draft this upcoming year and it's fine and it's just a small little heart murmur of a, not a heart attack, but a heart murmur of like, oh, okay, that was a close call. But it looks bad right now because they drafted Saquon to win now and it's not happening. And that, that's a problem. No. Uh, and I, I agree. I think it was a win-now move. And they're not winning. They're 1-4. Mm-hmm. They look like they're destined for a top-10 pick. And you're paying your running back more than a lot of teams are paying their rookie quarterbacks. Not great. Yep. In the NFL today, you can find running backs. Look at a lot of these. Look at Alvin Kamara. Look at Kareem Hunt. These are second-day guys. And, and now you're sitting here and you're, you're dealing with a quarterback who just doesn't give you a great chance to win. Moving to the Sunday slate, your Buccaneers at Atlanta. Of course, the Bucs going off the bye. They're 2-2. Two two. James Winston presumably will start. Uh, he was named star, so he gets his first crack at uh, jumping on a center this year from, from the get-go. At Atlanta, Atlanta, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, despite the fact that they are 1-4. They got absolutely walloped by the Steelers at Heinz Field on Sunday. As always, I will let you lead off the Buccaneers' thoughts on your two and two bucks going into hot lamp. Yeah, the, the fact that the game is in Atlanta really sways me towards thinking that the Falcons might win this. But the defense has given me nothing over the first handful of weeks of the season to think that they're going to be anything. And that's not Dan Quinn's fault. Okay, he lost just about everybody who mattered in the first couple of weeks of the season. Okay, you lose Keanu Neal, you lose Deion Jones. Those are huge pillars of that defense. Okay, so they're, they're playing with, you know, guys who are coming off of practice squads that they have to get, guys that were cut in, in training camp that aren't, they're still around in the second, third, fourth weeks of the season. Like, those aren't cream of the crop defenders. So, and we kind of saw that against Pittsburgh on Sunday, where Ben Roethlisberger didn't have a great game, but he played well enough to carve up that defense. And I think that's going to be a lot of what we see out of Atlanta down the road here. And for Jameis Winston... He looked exactly like Jameis Winston against the Bears last week. He comes in, first drive of the second half looks like it's going to go well, and it ends in a pick. And then he has another pick. 
I, I like this game to ease him back in. I'm still not sold that this is going to be. He's going to spend the rest of this season selling himself as the franchise guy. I think this is the end of the relationship there. I think this is the end of the Cotter era. Jason Light, I think that era is over too. I think you're going to see a lot of restructuring with Tampa at the end of the year. But this is a game I feel comfortable easing him into because if he's going to make a mistake, it's going to look extra bad because it's going to be against a bunch of scrubs on Atlanta. And if he does well, well, okay, of course he's going to do well because it's going to be a bunch of good, uh, against a bunch of scrubs in Atlanta. So I, I, I don't hate that this is the game that he comes back into, but I'm not at all confident after what I saw against Chicago that this team's going to be any sort of anything for the rest of the way. Taking the box. I'm taking the Bucks because I just I can't I can't pick against them. I'm not doing it confident. Well, listen, I'm going to take Atlanta for one reason. I just have no faith in Winston. Mm-hmm. I'm always terrified of him throwing three picks, fumbling twice. Now I'll say this because you touched most on the Bucks, so I'll stay away from that. I agree with you on a lot of what you said. Um, the Falcons is Julio Jones in witness protection? <laughs> I just don't understand. Like the man. Has no touchdowns through five games. I mean, at some point here, at any point, can Steve Sarkeesian just scheme the guy open? Can they get him the ball? You know, they're playing the Steelers who can't guard us. And Jones has five catches, 62 yards. Calvin Ridley has four catches for 38 yards. Austin Hooper is leading the team with nine receptions and 77 yards. Like, I, I get it. Teams are doubling Jones. They're trying to take him away. It doesn't matter. The guy is a generational talent. He is enormous. And the Falcons just get to the Reds and say, ah, that's all right. We'll run the ball Tevin Coleman and hope things work out. At some juncture, you have to understand if you're the Falcons, we are not going to play defense this year. We are not stopping anybody. You're just not. You lost Deion Jones. You lost Keanu Neal. You lost Ricardo Allen. Like, this team is not getting off the field against anybody competent offensively. So you have to adjust your mindset to say, we need to score 35 points a game. Whatever that means, the hell with ball control, the heck with running the ball and establishing them, you need to throw the ball. And if you don't do that, you're going home. And quite honestly, I think Atlanta's done at this juncture. One and four. Uh, they've already played three home games. I think they're, they're probably... Uh, Looking at a long, long winter, and frankly, it's too bad because I think I think they're really talented, but they just they've been ravaged by injuries, and I think their coaching leaves plenty to be desired, at least the coordinator spots. So, give me the Falcons simply because they're at home, and I do like their offense, even with Sarkeesian, uh, enough to beat the Bucks simply because I just have no faith in Winston. If Winston plays well, I think they'll win, uh, but that's always a huge if with him. Uh, moving on, going to the AFC North, this is a very good game, very interesting game. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Cincinnati favored by field goals. Vegas is saying essentially these two teams are dead even on a neutral field. The Bengals coming off what was a rousing come-from-behind victory. They're down 17-0. They came all the way back on 27-17. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh, we just talked about it. They got right finally. They won their first home game of the year in three tries. Beat Atlanta 41-17. Roethlisberger in the game. Uh, 1929 for 253 touchdowns and a pick. James Conner, 21 carries for a buck, 10 and two scores. Hill, the Bengals, four and one. The only team other than the Chiefs in the AFC without two losses or more. Do you like them to continue winning games here, or do you think that Pittsburgh gets to three, two, and one? People seem to be obsessed 
with this idea that the Steelers cannot be picked against until they prove you wrong. I don't, I don't understand why we're subscribing so closely to this. I've seen nothing out of the Steelers dating back to last season that indicates to me that this is a, a, a stable situation, that the wheels are not coming off of this. And you had Antonio Brown after the game saying, At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Yeah, don't worry, I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You know, oh, we don't care about what's being said in the media. We don't pay attention to that. It doesn't matter. What we see on the field is not a team that I have any sort of confidence in running through this, the AFC, getting to the playoffs, knocking off the Chiefs, knocking off the Patriots. And I feel similarly about the Bengals. Because okay? you said it. If you break it down, the Bengals are, what, the second, third best team in that conference? Second right now. And I, I do not put them in the same class as, as the Chiefs. As bad as the Chiefs' defense is, if you matched up the Bengals and the Chiefs and you said you have to pick one, your life is on the line, I'm no, in no way, in no universe am I putting any faith in Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton to figure this out. So to me, this is a prove-it game for the Bengals. Because the Steelers are down on their luck. If they can get this, they're 5-1, and one, and then they're controlling that AFC North. The Steelers, they need this. But I have no confidence that they're going to get there because that defense is putrid. That defense, is, we said it, we were watching the game numerous times, and it's not that they got blown out or that it was a shootout, but there's plays that they give up in really bad spots that allow a team to have hope, and it, it keeps it alive for an offense. So Atlanta wasn't able to capitalize on that because of the reasons you just stated, but... Who knows? If you leave those openings, their teams are going to start taking them. Give me the Bengals in this one. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to blow the Steelers out this game. And not because I think the Bengals are a Super Bowl contender, although I do think they're a good team. I don't think Pittsburgh's any good. Mm-hmm. And I know they beat the Falcons, and I respect that. But you know what? That doesn't mean that they didn't get blown out at home by the Chiefs. They didn't get blown out at home by the Ravens. That they didn't tie the Browns in a game that, frankly, they should have lost by the end of it. They, they played your Bucks, and if it wasn't for the Buccaneers just beating themselves over and over and over the game, okay, the Steelers lose. So I think the Bengals are a better team. I think the Bengals at home are going to handle business. If the game was in Pittsburgh, I might go the other direction. I think about it, but it's not. It's in the Queen City. I think the Bengals get the job done. Look, the Bengals are not perfect, okay? The Bengals have their own their own set of it's issues. It's time to finally get uh, apparently as as do we here as an ad just <laughs> comes out of nowhere. Sorry about that. Uh, gotta love political ads. I can't wait for November, whatever, to six to roll around, so I don't have to hear one for the rest of my lifetime. <laughs> Good God, enough with the stupid ads. That being said, thanks for dealing with that little rant. Okay, so the Bengals scored twenty four unanswered points in the fourth quarter to beat the Dolphins. Now the Dolphins, I think, were kind of understanding and adjusting to the fact the Dolphins aren't that good. Joe Mixon comes back, 22 carries, 93 yards. Dalton, 20-30, 248, a touchdown. And the Bengals got two defensive scores in the game, or excuse me, a defensive score in the game, uh, created two turnovers off of Ryan Tannehill, sacked them three times. The Bengals have a really good front. The Bengals can run the ball. A.J. Green is the most underrated player in football. Okay, he went for six catches and a buck 12 against Miami. He's going to torch Pittsburgh. 
I have a lot of faith in Cincinnati's ability to score points. Now, I worry about them when they get into critical situations, late-game situations, and tight ball games because Andy Dalton has a propensity to throw a bad pick, and Marvin Lewis scares the absolute hell out of me. But I like the Bengals in September and October, and I think they handle business in this game. Uh, look, the Bengals, if they win the game, as you point out, Hill, 5-1, and one, and they would have the inside track and then some over Pittsburgh, over Baltimore, over Cleveland to win that division – They'd be fighting for a bye. It sounds crazy, but they now keep this in mind though. Very tough road ahead. Very tough road ahead. Their schedule reads as follows: Steelers at home, at the Chiefs, home to the Bucks, home to the Saints, at the Ravens, home to the Browns, home to the Broncos, at the Chargers, home to the Raiders, at the Browns, at the Steelers. It's a lot of good teams in there. Not that they couldn't win some of those, because I think they're a good team themselves, but th- th- you know, it's not going to be easy to go 12-4 and four or something against that slate. You know, that might be more of a 10-6 and six type of slate. So we'll see. We'll also move on. But I will take the Bengals. I think the Bengals gonna, are going to win that game handily, make a little bit of a statement. Staying in the AFC North, Chargers at the Browns. The Chargers are favored by a point on the road. They handled business when they went out uh, and, and basically played a road game at home, the Raiders fans were everywhere at the Stub Up Center. Didn't matter. Uh, it was it was an absolute smoking from the second the game began. The Raiders couldn't get anything done. We'll get to them a little bit later. But the Chargers handled business. Rivers was fantastic. 22 of 27, 339 and two touchdowns. Uh, and and they got so many guys involved. They had three guys over 60 yards receiving: Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Melvin Gordon, and of course the Browns. They won 12 to 9 in overtime and were bidding for what feels like they're almost their fifth consecutive tie. Mayfield was great for 342 yards. Uh, do you think the Browns have a win streak by the end of Sunday, or do you think the Chargers come out of there at 4 and 2 and feeling pretty good? This is such a tough game to pick because, on the one hand, you have the Browns, who it's impossible to believe in because he said at the top of the show, Hugh Jackson scares the life out of me. Uh, he's one of the worst coaches in football. On the other side, you have the Chargers, who if there's a chance for them to get in their own way, they will get in their own way and then some. And then they will create a new way that you didn't see to then get in their way again. So the Chargers, it it seems like this has been the theme of the Phillip Rivers era. Will they be able to figure it out? Will this finally be the year? And that goes from big picture season predictions to week to week things like this. Is is Phillip Rivers going to show up in Cleveland? And is he going to be the guy that we think he's going to be? So, I, I, I'm i going with Cleveland on this one just because it's at home. I think maybe if they get rolling with Baker, something's going to happen. But, man, this, this, this Browns team got lit up by John Gruden and the Raiders, who then got lit up by the Chargers. So, for that reason, I would have to take the Chargers. But give me the Browns. It's at home. I believe in the Baker magic. And maybe that's my own fault. But until the Chargers demonstrate that they can stay out of their own way in games they should win like this, I can't take them. Uh, I basically echo exactly what you said. Uh, This game is hard for me to pick, but I just look at the Chargers, and every time I think that team has turned the corner, they're going to get the job, they go and lay an egg. They lose some ridiculous game. And you know what? This isn't a ridiculous game anymore. Mm -mm. Like Cleveland, they win the Super Bowl now. But Cleveland's not a bad team. Cleveland is a fairly average, like, I don't know, they have a tie in there, but like a 7-9 type of team. 
Cleveland's not a rollover anymore. And I think they're going to win the game. I really do. Like the Chargers are, are a good team. I think they're a playoff team. I think they'll make it as a wild card. They, they just had the misfortune of playing with, in a division, I think, with the best team in the conference right now. But uh, I don't like it for the Chargers for a few reasons. One is you got to come mostly across the country here, all the way to Cleveland. Uh, secondly, they are not a team that I trust against a good quarterback. I know they've got good corners. I get it. But Verrett's not there. Bosa's not there. There's a lot of talent to be missing on the defensive side. Mayfield can play. The Browns have a lot of weapons, including a very good tight end in David Njoku. They can run the ball some as well with Hyde and Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb if he ever gets some touches. I don't know why Hugh Jackson isn't plastered to the bench, but that's a whole other story. I like the Browns to win. I think it's a close game. Wouldn't be shots one either way, but I'm taking the Browns. It's a very minor upset. Obviously, Chargers favored by one. But give me Cleveland. If Cleveland wins that game, three, two, and one, eh? People by the uh, shores of Lake Erie gonna be thinking playoffs. I just, I, I do. Before we move on to the next sure. game, I do want to say to everybody, including myself, who falls into the trap of picking the Chargers to be good before the season. They are a one-point favorite over the Browns. Okay, and that yeah says a lot about how the, how far the Browns have come from 0 and 16 to having some kind of hope. But if you're a Super Bowl contending team and you're a one point favorite over the Brown over Hugh Jackson, Vegas thinks that Hugh Jackson might beat you and is only giving you one point. Give me a break. That, that that's an indictment. That's a big indictment of the Chargers. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, and, and I I again I totally concur with you. Uh, all right, here's a. Kind of a weird game, an interconference game. You don't see this too often. The Bears at the Dolphins. Uh, the Bears coming off a bye. Of course, we don't have to talk about too much of what uh, they did against Tampa Bay. The uh, time you got to witness that mugging in person. <laughs> uh, Trubisky threw six touchdowns. He looked like Joe Montana. And the Bears defense is legitimately uh, a very, very scary unit. The Dolphins started out 3-0, and kind of looked frisky, then turned into a pumpkin overnight. They're still 3-2, and two, but it seems like that ship is kind of sinking into the abyss. Uh, I'll lead off here. I'll just be quick. I think the Bears are going to kill Miami. The Bears are really good defensively. Defense travels. Obviously, it should be pretty good weather unless you get one of those weird Florida monsoons. But I think the Bears handle business. Uh, I, I think the Bears will do enough offensively to win. I think Mack has like four sacks in this game because the Dolphins can't block anybody. Tannehill... I think at times can be underrated, but he also is the kind of guy who he's got to have help around him to be successful. I think the Bears are going to go in and handle business. I really do. Uh, I think the Bears are going to get the four and one. I don't think the Bears are a Super Bowl team because I just don't trust Trubisky against really good teams. But I think they win this game. I don't trust the Dolphins at all. I know they're at home. It gives them a fighting chance. But I think the Bears are the better team. And I think they show why on Sunday. I think we get a Trubisky game we're used to seeing. An improvement on the Cardinals game, which was a disaster, but many, many steps below the six-touchdown performance against the Buccaneers. Uh, I'm picking the Bears. I agree with you. I think they're about a 10-6 and team this year. Maybe they'll get a wild card card berth. They'll get out early, but it'll be a situation where we're like, hey, they've arrived, blah, blah, blah. My thing here is the Dolphins. At what point is Adam Gaze on the hot seat slash about to be fired? Because Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback of the future in Miami. Okay, they can get out of that if they want to. They can kind of restart, fire gaze. This is going nowhere. This is going nowhere. And I think that's kind of a dark horse candidate as we talk about the big guys like Hugh Jackson and Vance Joseph and Dirk Cutter. 
guys that are most definitely going to get fired at some point, either during the season or after. Adam Gase needs to be on that list, and it needs to be pretty high on that list. And my question to you, and then we can move on, is in regards to Ryan Tannehill. If you're the Jaguars, do you would you rather have Blake Bortles or would you rather have Ryan Tannehill? Tannehill. No, not even a question. Tannehill. Tannehill's not great, but he's not a turnover festival. <laughs> okay, and we're going to get to them. We're going to get to both, you know, that whole Jacksonville Kansas City game in depth here. But my God, no. I, I would take almost anybody in the league over Bortles. Bortles has games where he plays really well, but the problem is, like, that's nice in the NFL. You have one game out of every two weeks. It's good. Mm-hmm. The problem is those, those pesky other eight games <laughs> when you're out there just throwing ridiculous picks and you, you can't make a play and miss openers. Listen, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here in about 30 seconds, but the thing I was actually going to say uh, to talk about, you mentioned how the Dolphins are going nowhere with this, mm-hmm. this power structure, and I agree with you. Oh, yeah. I will never understand these teams that just run it back over and over and over with these guys. Just give it up. You're never winning a Super Bowl like this. The Dolphins stink, but they'll never stink bad enough to have the number one pick to go out and get the next Dan Marino. They will never stink that bad because ownership won't allow them to do it. And I went through this years and years and years and years and years growing up as a cheap fan when Carl Peterson was famous for signing Ty Law when he was 34 years old and Damon Heward. And they would just they would amble around aimlessly about as dangerous as a deer in the woods They'd go eight and eight or seven and nine. Maybe they'd have a charmed year and they'd go nine and seven. And it was like, this is all fine and good. What does this matter? We're never winning anything. In the I look at the Bengals in most years the same way. I look at a lot of teams that like the Titans right now. Yep. What is like and we'll get to them. They play the Ravens in the in the late window, so I'll get to them in a minute. But like, what is the deal with them? Is Mariota any good? Because if he's not any good, just cut your losses and move on and go get somebody else. Because you're not winning the Super Bowl with him playing like that. But we'll get to them later. We move across the pond. The first London game of the year comes in week six. And it is Seattle technically at Oakland uh, at Wembley Stadium. The Seahawks are a two-point favorite on the neutral field. Uh, and Hill, I'll, I'll let you lead off with what used to be an AFC West rivalry. This is... A- Apologies to the Brits in England for sending you this absolute disaster. This is an atrocity. This is not a represent an accurate representation. This of might start war. It, it might. It very well might. This is not an accurate representation of American football. Um, look, this is. We had this conversation in, in the office too before the show. I don't want to pick the Raiders because they look like such a trash heap of a team, but. This is a weird one that John Gruden might win. It's, it's in London. You don't know. and I don't know. And the Seahawks, like they played the Rams really well, but I think that was maybe more of an indictment of the Rams' defense and how it is early in the season as opposed to, hey, the Seahawks might be something. You know, they might bounce back here because I don't believe that for a minute. Um, God, this is a weird one. I Give me – Give me the Raiders just because I, I want chaos. I want John Gruden to get most of his wins outside of the country, and then I'm not going to have to worry about it here. I wouldn't be surprised if this went either way, but God, the matchup between Pete Carroll and John Gruden, like is there two more salty, grizzly guys that are like fake happy all the time, but deep down just hate their existence more than Pete Carroll and John Gruden? Like, wow, give, give me the Raiders, but jeesh, I'm sorry, England. I'm really sorry. And we're all sorry. We uh, <laughs> we feel terrible about it. That said... Okay. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. 
Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. I think both these teams stink. I really do. I think Seattle's terrible. I think Oakland's even worse. And that's why I'm going to take Seattle in this game. I don't trust Gruden at all. I think, I think Carroll, while certainly salty and older, uh, like, shockingly, he's the oldest coach in the NFL. Yeah. He's like approaching 70. That being said, look, I think the Seahawks win the game for one reason. The quarterback. The quarterback's just better. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's a much better player. Derek Carr's one of the worst interceptions I've ever yep. seen. And if somebody didn't watch the game against the Chargers, first of all, congratulations. <laughs> Second of all, okay, I want to say the score was 20 to 3. And the Raiders are driving. They're at the one yard line and they run a play. It's supposed to, it's a play action and it's supposed to be to the backup tight end. Lee Smith is breaking into the corner of the end zone, but he's covered. So on that read, Carr then theoretically can scan the rest of the field, but really you just you throw the ball away, you live for another down. Not Derek Carr. Derek Carr goes back across his body and rifles a ball and hits a guy square in the hands in the end zone. Problem was, it was Melvin Ingram. It was, if you see the replay of this pick, it is so bad. It is legitimately one of the worst 10 interceptions I've ever seen a guy throw. He hit him like he was throwing it to him intentionally. And you just, look, at some point, Carr, I believe, has thrown eight picks this year. It's an asinine amount, okay? The, the, the Raiders have nobody on the team who scares you. Offensively, defensively, special team, nobody. The coach, who is keeping the offensive and defensive coordinators up at night? At least with the Seahawks, I can give you a Russell Wilson. I can give you a Bobby Wagner. I can't, literally, cannot give you one, Bruce Irvin? He's keep, I mean, the only person he's keeping up at night is Mark Davis because he's paying him $10 million to go out and have five sacks every year. Who scares you on the Raiders? The scariest thing about the Raiders is Mark Davis's haircut. <laughs> That's it. It's the only thing keeps me up at night. So give me Seattle. Uh, I know the game could go either way because Seattle's no good either. But, yeah, quarterback, clear advantage going that route. Arizona at Minnesota back on this side of the pond. Minnesota a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And I will just be short and sweet here. I know Minnesota blew that game against Buffalo, so I think Vegas is saying, well, you know, you never know. Minnesota kind of a weird thing. Because of that game against Buffalo, Minnesota's winning this thing by 30 points. They are not going to have a repeat of that. The Vikings are a good team. They're 2-2-1. Two, two and one. It's not been a great start, but the talent is, is unquestioned. I think the Vikings get rolling here a little bit. I think they know that they have to in, in what is a tough NFC North, a tough NFC overall. The Cardinals got their first win against the Niners, so the pressure's off. They can stink the rest of the year, and they're going to. I'd be shocked if Arizona won this game. Give me the Vikings, swallow the nine and a half. I think Minnesota gets rolling finally behind who behind Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, even in loss, has been playing very well for them. Yeah, give me the Vikings in this one, too. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I don't see a repeat of that Bills debacle. I think that was a wake-up call. I think we're going to be looking back in the divisional round, maybe even the NFC Championship game, and I don't want to jinx it, Vikings fans, uh, but the Super Bowl, I'm looking back and saying, man, things really turned around when they got housed at home by the Buffalo Bills, a team that maybe at the time will have the number one pick. We don't know. So I think that was a turning point because we saw a lot of adjustments against the Eagles 
We saw offensively things were flowing a lot more. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't play, but the offense was humming. And that was something that didn't happen against the Bills. Maybe Cook plays against the Cardinals. We don't know. They're going to want to get him healthy for the second half of the season, I imagine. But give me the Vikings in this one. Because if they lose another game like this at home, I don't see any reason why we should be taking this team seriously. Because there's no consistency. They have to win this game. And they should. They absolutely should. They lose this game. Minnesota's done to me. They really are. If the Vikings can't beat the Cardinals at home after that debacle they put forth against Buffalo, uh, just, just pack it in. Uh, now... A rematch of Super Bowl three: the Colts at the Jets. Look out. Jets favored by two and a half points coming off what, is a, what was a rousing 34-16 defeat of Denver. Indianapolis, of course, has a week and a half to prepare. They lost 38-24 to New England. Hill, your thoughts. Did the Colts get revenge for that loss 50 years ago? Or do the, uh, do the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 get to three and three? Yeah, the uh, Johnny Unitas is not trotting out of that tunnel. He's not. You know, Joe Namath isn't trotting out of that tunnel either. This is what, what should be, should have been, I guess, a good quarterback matchup is going to be a, a meh kind of matchup. Because Darnold, we were talking about it before, Darnold is a guy who today showed Jets fans need to have patience with this kid. Because he's going to be good. You just need to calm down off of the first game that he had against the Lions where it was like, oh, my God, this guy's the second coming. And on the flip side with the Colts, ooh, wow. <laughs> like, I, I, I was guilty of thinking maybe Frank Reich was going to be the guy to figure things out. And I don't think he should be fired. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But this is not the season that anybody thought that they were going to have. We talk about teams and their consistency. They looked good once this season. It was against Washington. And I think maybe that was a fluke. Give me the Jets in this one. I see the Colts a lot like the Broncos, okay? Andrew Luck's a better quarterback than Case Keenum, so it might be a closer game. But there's nothing on that defense that suggests they're going to beat Sam Darnold because the Broncos' defense, to me, is better than Indianapolis. And they lost to to Sam Darnold. So give, give me the Jets in this one. But, oh, boy, the Colts. I'm sorry that the fans have to watch that. Jim Ursay is going to hang over that team. Until he is in a coffin. Like, this is, that is bad news. This is one of, the, he, he is up there with James Dolan. Like, not on the same level, but the James Dolan-esque, the, the Dan Gilbert-esque. He's up there with these owners that are just going to be the anchor that sinks the teams that they own. This, this, this is bad news for them. Yeah, look, I actually am going to go the other way with the Colts. And here's why. Darnold in this game against Denver. Now, they scored 34 points, but he was 10 of 22. So for a buck 98, a couple of real nice touchdown passes deep down the field. But the Jets won because they rushed for 323 yards. It was like a college game. Which, by the way, what the hell happened in Denver? Yeah. I mean, I know they're not the same defense from a couple of years ago, but like 323 yards, Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell, are you kidding me? Did, they, did the two of them turn into Jim Brown? <laughs> I, like, what happened? The Jets don't even have a good offensive line. But regardless, I'm taking the Colts because the Colts have played hard in every game this year. I would assume they're going to be a little bit healthier than they were against New England. And Andrew Luck the last two weeks has played great. Yeah. And I, I think he handles business against the Jets. I think he goes in there. I think he outplays Darnold significantly. I think they find a way to win the game. I just don't trust the Jets. I don't trust their offense. I think the defense the is defense, decent, yeah. but I just don't trust them. I don't trust them. I think the Colts find a way to win, uh, especially coming off of a long week off. Mm-hmm. So give me 
The Colts in an upset. Uh, the Jets, again, minus two and a half. Carolina coming off a wild win at the Redskins. Now, the Redskins are favored by two, but they play on Monday Night Football, so we don't really know, you know what that line is going to really be set at. We'll have to wait and see. But for now, Washington favored by two. I'll be uh, quick on this one and lead off. I think the Redskins are going to win. The Panthers are just an impossible team to figure out. I've given up trying. We've been trying to, you know, we've done this podcast now, second season here, uh, and I've been making picks for about six or seven years uh, at various places of employment, obviously the last four here at Fanside. I just, I never know what's going to happen with the Panthers. You're watching the game today against the Giants from 27 to 16 in the fourth quarter. All right, the Panthers have a really good defense. This game's over. Wrong. Panthers go out, give up a million big plays, and then get bailed out because Graham Gano, in, in a year where no kicker can hit a 30-yard field goal, Graham Gano goes out and bangs through a 63-yarder at the gun to win it. Look, I know what I'm getting out of Washington. Good defense, decent offense, no mistakes on offense because Alex Smith. I think the Redskins win the game. Uh, and, and so I, I think that the, the Panthers will drop to 3-2. and two. I think the Panthers are a good team, but they are maddeningly inconsistent. Yeah, this I, I agree with you on all fronts. The, the Panthers, even in that year, they went 15-1 and one and went to the Super Bowl. Impossible to figure out. You're always waiting for the other shoe to drop with them. And this game was a perfect example of it. They should have won. The game should have been done. It should have been wrapped up. And they let the Giants get back into it. I think that the, that Washington's a better team offensively than the Giants are. So that g- give me Washington in this one as well because the, the Panthers embody the idea of a team that cannot figure it out week to week but somehow get lucky because they play in a division that has Tampa Bay and Atlanta who are just going to be awful this year. So give me, give me Washington in this one. But, man, oh, man, the Panthers are just always going to be an enigma. We're just never going to figure them out. And that starts with Cam Newton because Cam Newton – of an elite fantasy quarterback. Always great in fantasy football. But would you start a franchise with him today with all of the other quarterbacks in the league? He's a top two, three tier quarterback. Like He's much better than a lot of the quarterbacks that are in the league right now. But he is not a superstar in the same way that even Patrick Mahomes is. So to me, it all begins and ends with Cam Newton. And I don't think he's going to have a good game against Washington. Uh, I would agree. I've never been a huge Newton guy. He's a good player. I don't think he's great. Um, and speaking of a guy who would love to simply just be a good player, Josh Allen. Uh, <laughs> the Bills are at the Texans. The Texans are favored by eight and a half. Of course, that line might shift here as the Texans are playing Dallas uh, on Sunday Night Football game going on. As we're speaking, Look, I'll just say this. The Bills won the game on Sunday against Tennessee, and give the Bills credit. Look, everybody said, oh, my God, this team might go on 16. The Bills since getting blown out by the Ravens are 2-2. Two two. Not the most impressive 2-2 two two in the world, okay, but they're 2-2. Two two. Josh Allen, 10 of 19 for 82 yards in the pack. I don't care what he is. Rookie, first-year starter, Wyoming, I, I don't give a damn. That 10 of 19 for 82 yards in a pick? That, that is almost impossible. In t- I mean, there are guys who have more yards than that on the drive. And the Bills still won the game, which says all you need to know about the Titans offense. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Give me Houston in the game. I don't know that the Bills don't keep it fairly close because Houston just, between the coaching and the defense at times, I don't trust them. But I think Houston is just too much talent to lose that game, especially at home. Yeah, it's at, it's at home, which really kind of swings this to Houston. 
for me, but the Bills, my, my big thing in this that I'm going to be watching is how much do they hit Deshaun Watson and how hard do they hit him? Because we were watching this Sunday night football game, and Watson is just getting the crap kicked out of him. I mean, at one point, they got a stethoscope on the sideline. They're checking his ribs. Like, who knows where that's going to go during the week. So Watson, and this is, again, we're beating a dead horse here, but the horse is somehow still alive. It's just drooling and limping down the racetrack, and that horse is Bill O'Brien. Okay, And he is destroying this team. How does he still have this job? Now, I... In hindsight, it's very good that they didn't go out and get John Gruden, who I was kind of a proponent of, put him with Deshaun Watson or whatever. He is not going to – we just talked about earlier. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with this team? You are not going to win a Super Bowl with Bill O'Brien. I'm sorry. Bill O'Brien is never in his life winning a Super Bowl as a head coach. Maybe a coordinator, whatever. Not as a head coach. And definitely not in Houston. And that's always going to be the thing. Now, Houston's going to win, but the narrative of Bill O'Brien is just this nasty – Eeyore cloud that's hanging over this entire team until either he figures it out or he goes. And I see nothing that suggests he's going to figure it out. So. Yeah, he's not figuring it out. But I will say that I think they win that game. Uh, the 4 o'clock slate, Rams are at the Broncos. Rams are six and, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. The Rams are six-and-a-half point favorite. They won late against Seattle. A little bit more of a struggle than you thought. The Broncos are 2-3. and three. They've lost three in a row. They looked terrible against the Jets. Gave up a ridiculous amount of yardage. Uh, you know, well over 500. I'll just leave off. I think the Rams are going to win this game by 20 points. The Broncos are just not good. And I wrote a piece on Fansided about this. Uh, Vance Joseph just needs to go. It's over. And I usually am somebody who says give every coach at least two years. Let them work. And, and I, will, I will add this caveat. John Elway has been a train wreck there for the last five, six years. Okay, But John Elway gets a pass because he's a legend there. John Elway won two Super Bowls. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he won a, and he, give him credit, he won a ring as a GM there Okay, in 2015. So he's going to get a hell of a lot more leeway than Vance Joseph, who never played down as a Hall of Fame quarterback for the Broncos. But Elway has set him up to fail because they, they cannot get a quarterback. Keenum stinks. Keenum is god off. I and mean, somehow he's still miles better than what they're trotting out there last year. So overall, I do think Joseph has some reasonable gripes. The problem is just he can't coach. You watch them, and there is no ability to adjust. There's no fight. There's no tooth, there's no teeth. And, and that's not to say that the players aren't playing hard. I think they are. But I think they also just know they're doomed. It just is a ridiculous way to play football, watching them week in and week out. They, the schemes are just brutal. The game, the game management is brutal, and they're going against the Rams team that might be the most talented in football and a coach that certainly has good schemes. Oh, and by the way, I think Wade Phillips knows a little something about Denver's personnel. So give me the Rams all day in this game. The, the Rams are be favored by 14 points, I take them. I think the Rams are going to put the Broncos down for the count, and I don't think the Broncos come up off the mat anytime soon. I'm not selling my Matt LaFleur stock by any means. Oh, dear God. But... Everything that we've seen out of this Rams offense over this year. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 4, 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. 
Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Which is by far, maybe besides the Chiefs or right up there, a step above the Chiefs, the best offense in football. That is 1,000% Sean McVay. He is calling those plays. He is drawing up these, these schemes that are 15, 20 years ahead of their time. And they're working. Okay, we were watching the game, and I said to you, man, Jared Goff, I really thought he was going to regress this year. I thought he was going to take a step back. Nope. He looks just as good, if not better, than he was last year. He's settling into a groove as a superstar quarterback. So, you know, all of this is to say, I, I agree with you. I think that the Rams are going to absolutely blow the doors off of Denver. Vance Joseph and John Elway, I couldn't, say it, I couldn't have said it better than you have. And we've said it many, many times before. It's like the Bill O'Brien thing. It's not ever going to change. We just have to live in this reality. But give me the Rams and give me every single Sunday I will sign up for watching Sean McVay drop offensive schemes because it is just a wonder to watch. Well, speaking of a team that could use some better offense, actually two teams that could use better offensive schemes, Jacksonville at Dallas. Jacksonville a two-point favorite. Again, of course, Dallas is playing, so the line will move. Um, we saw Jacksonville get beat 30-14. to 14. Uh, at Kansas City, they fought at 3-2. Dallas, again, uh, in progress right now. That game going to the fourth quarter, tied 13 apiece. But Dallas, at the moment, 2-2. Two two. Um, God, I, I think Jacksonville wins. I don't, I don't think Dallas can score a point. No. Like, I really, who, is, who is going to move? Obviously, Elliott is their only hope, really. And Jacksonville might know that. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming Jacksonville is going to stack the box and say, go ahead and try and beat us with Alan Hearns, Tavon Austin, and Jeff Swain. I'm feeling pretty good that Jacksonville is going to shut that down, especially after what Kansas City just did to them. Give me Jacksonville. Give me the two points. I don't care. I, I think Dallas is terrible. I really do. Dallas, you want to talk about a coach that needs to be fired? My God, at what point? Mm-hmm. At what point does Dallas say, hey, you know what, maybe it's time to move on? Jerry Jones, who's the most impulsive person on the face of the earth. No, apparently eh, just good with Jason Garrett for the rest of the time. Uh, but give me Jacksonville. I don't think it's a pretty game. In fact, I think it's a hideous game, but I think Jacksonville wins. Yeah, I think Jacksonville wins. Defensively, they're much, much better. Blake Bortles is going to Bortle. Like, we know that. It's going to happen. I, I could see them losing in some asinine way, not unlike the way that they did in Kansas City, albeit a much closer margin of, of victory for the Cowboys. But give me, give me Jacksonville in this one. It's at home. They're coming off of this loss to Kansas City in which a lot of those guys in that locker room were talking crap. I will say this about that. Watch that if you're a Jaguars fan. Keep an eye on that. Because last year, against the 49ers, they go into a game swaggering against Jimmy G, who proceeds to hang 40 points on them, and they're fighting each other on the sideline. They're fighting each other on the sideline in New England because they think the game's not going their way. The mentality of this team is so dog-eat-dog that when things don't go, when they're going well, it's great. And Jalen Ramsey's a GQ profile saying, I don't know, Matt Ryan, who? I don't know his name. But when they lose like that to Patrick Mahomes and all the yapping that they were doing before the game about, oh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to see what I'm laughing about. Yeah, I don't see anything that the Jaguars should be laughing about right now after that game in Kansas City. So that, to me, Doug Marone, I think he's a good head coach that he can get a handle on this. But that is a locker room that is very volatile. It's not a cancerous locker room. It's a locker room that when things are going good, they're good. But when they go bad and they, everybody then realizes that Blake Bortles is the quarterback, 
that is a concoction for problems. Well, I, I think that they beat Dallas. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Kansas City here in a minute. But I will say with Jacksonville, I agree with you. Like after the game, Jalen Ramsey's telling reporters, hey, I shut down my guy. I shut down Tyreek Hill. Dude, who cares? Mm-hmm. You, just got, you just got lit up. It doesn't – first of all, he didn't shut down Tyreek Hill. It's 62 <laughs> yards a game. Like, it's not like he was out there having three catches for 10 yards. He torched you deep on a ball in a critical time in the third quarter. And the, I'm not going to say Hill was out there for 150 yards either, but it's just a horrible look. It doesn't matter that you personally played kind of good against Tyreek Hill. You, you lost. You gave up over 300 yards in the air. And Telvin Smith, he needs to just stop talking forever. After mm-hmm. rambling on incessantly all week about how they were going to smack the Chiefs around, Travis Kelsey, who, oh, by the way, Telvin Smith was on for a large majority of the game, gives up 100 yards to Kelsey. Kelsey's all over the field. The Chiefs are running the ball at will when they want to. And Telvin Smith, after the game, reportedly went after uh, went after Sammy Watkins, was shoving him after the game. There was an altercation on the sideline. Watkins is saying afterwards it was some crazy trash talk during the game and afterwards. Look, if you're Jacksonville, just rein it in a little bit. Like I, I respect them. They went to the AFC title game last year. That's all fun. You won nothing. You went 10-6 and six last year. Like I, I get it. You had a really nice run. You also beat Tyrod Taylor and the Bills in the playoffs. Okay, and then you pull an upset, fine and fair enough. But to me, and we talked about this in the fan side office during the day, I think that frustration is bubbling out because they're watching Blake Bortles throw four picks and lose a fumble, and they're just saying, you know what? we got to face really good teams, especially on the road. We're probably losing. We're probably losing because he is going to get us killed. And I think that frustration is taking out everybody else. And it's what we saw. That's just my, it's my uh, amateur psychiatry. <laughs> Okay, last 4 o'clock game. There's only three of them next week. Baltimore at Tennessee. Uh, the Ravens, of course, lost 12-9 to in overtime at Cleveland. An ugly game. Baltimore falls to 3-2, and 1-2 and two in the division. So that's a question mark to watch there. Tennessee, of course, we talked about the Bills game. Tennessee loses 13-12. to And Marcus Mariota is 14-26 for a buck 29 and a pick. A sack twice. Uh, they ran for 100 yards even on 25 carries. and eh, not a great day, not a terrible day on the ground, but not nearly enough. All told, Tennessee had three turnovers, rushed for 221 yards in Buffalo. Uh, didn't get the job done. 15 first downs all day long. Uh, so, Hill, the Ravens, a two-point favorite on the road. Do you think that they handle business against Tennessee? Part of me says yes, because... That offense, while it's not electric, has scored 132 points this year. And the defense has been pretty good. Okay, they've allowed 77 points, and I think that the Titans have only scored a total of 87. So that kind of matches up. The problem is the Ravens stink on the road. So, and the Titans have, they're, they're another one of those teams that ebb and flow. They have a bad game against the Dolphins, and they come back and have a good game. And then now they lose to the Bills this week. They had a good game last week. Um, I just, Give me the Titans in this one because I think the defense ultimately gets it done and the Ravens have not convinced me that they can be a good road team. And now that the, the Jaguars have kind of teetered a little bit, I wonder if, if Mike Vrabel takes his guys and says, hey, we can get them. We can get into this division race. We can kind of take control a little bit. And again, this ultimately comes down to Matt LaFleur and, and, and Marcus Mariota, which has been hugely disappointing hugely disappointing. And I don't know if that's because it's LaFleur. I don't know if that's more on Mariota. I don't know if it's that guys haven't been healthy. But the Titans have been a massive disappointment. You're talking about guys in, in witness protection. Derrick Henry, 
Where's Derrick Henry been? Witness protection. Deion Lewis? Where has he been? Like, th- th- that run game, they beat the Chiefs in that playoff game last year, and they won a lot of games last year because they got behind a big offensive line and they ran the ball. And they're not doing that this year. So if they can kind of get back to that, I-, I have more confidence. This is a small step. Give me the Titans in this one. But the Ravens, it's, this, is a, this is a game where I'm not really confident either way that these teams are good teams at the end of the day. I look forward to Flacco and Mariota throwing 15 completions between the two of them and a couple of balls that should have been picked and somehow aren't. Look, I'll take the Titans for one reason at home. Yeah. That's it. And the Titans are Jekyll and Hyde to the hilt. Mm-hmm. I think they find a way to win uh, because I do like their defense quite a bit. I think their defense is really good. Yeah. But the, the problem for me is, and I'll just I'll say it, we've been talking about this on and off, you know, away from the podcast, talked about it on our Sunday pregame show. I just don't think Mariota's good. No. I don't think he's good. I, I'm not saying that I think he's like one of the worst five quarterbacks in the league. But when you're drafted second overall, you've got to be better than this, man. And it's just game in, game. He'll have like the occasional game that you kind of get back on the bandwagon, and then he has a game where you're like, wow, he looks terrible. So I'll take the Titans because I don't trust Flacco. I don't trust the Ravens away from Baltimore. They're a much better home team than they are a road team, as you mentioned. Uh, but I'll take Tennessee in a game that, again, it's kind of a coin flip. Uh, I don't think we really know what either one of these teams are yet. Whoever loses, 3-3 three and three all of a sudden, and taking on a little bit of water. Would you take Jameis Winston over Marcus Marriott at this point? Because both of them seem like they're going to be not necessarily busts, but they're going to be far underwhelming as far as what they could have been. At this point, who would you take, Mariota, or would you take Winston? Are we factoring in the off-field stuff? Uh, yeah, I think we have to. I take Mariota. Yeah. Because I, I think Winston's a much more talented player. Mm-hmm. And if Winston gets his head on straight, I like Winston a lot more. I also think Winston needs a head coach who can, who can rein him in. Like, Winston needs Todd Haley. Winston needs somebody who's Ooh, like, man. I'm not letting you do this crap anymore. Mm-hmm. You are sitting on the bench if it's going to continue. He doesn't need enablers. Winston needs a Bill Parcells type who's like, look, this is how it's happening or, th- or you're gone. I don't think Mariota has the physical talent to do what Winston can do. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave my answer that way. Sunday night game. Arguably, uh, maybe I'm biased here, arguably the best game of the season to this point, or at least the most anticipated. Mm-hmm. New England is hosting Kansas City. Kansas City, of course, 5-0, the only undefeated AFC team, one of two left with, uh, in the league along with the Rams. The Pats, winners of two straight, they are three and two on the year. And the Pats come in as a three and a half point favorite. So Vegas saying, give New England a half point on a neutral field. So basically about as even as it gets. Um, I'll lead off here since I uh, kind of have an affinity toward one of these teams. Going into the game against Jacksonville, I picked the Chiefs because they were at home. But I was, I was very, very interested to see how would the Chiefs play against Jacksonville's defense? Well, as it turns out, pretty well. Kansas City went for well over 400 yards in the game. Mahomes did throw two picks, first two picks of the year, but he went for 313 yards on 8.2 yards in attempt, very solid. Uh, Hunt, 87 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Kelsey went for 100 yards. Watkins went for 78 yards. Hill went for 61 yards. And to me, that's the story of the Chiefs. You may shut down one guy, you may limit another, but at some point in the game, the Chiefs are too good with Reed in terms of scheme. Somebody is going to get open. Mahomes is smart enough to find who it is. And if Mahomes can't throw the ball in the air to beat, he's going to run. It's second game in a row, he's got a running touchdown. I said multiple times this week to anyone who would listen, uh, I thought the Jaguars were more of a threat to the Chiefs in New England. 
the Chiefs have played New England well in Reed's tenure. New England has trouble with, with matching up with Kansas City. I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. I really do. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if New England won because New England with Gronkowski and Michelle are going to give the Chiefs problems. The Chiefs have been awful against tight ends this year. The Chiefs can't guard running backs out of the back, so I think those two guys go crazy. I do think Edelman and Gordon are kept somewhat in check. The Chiefs' corners have actually played well this year. The problem has been the safeties and the linebackers. This has to be said, though. The Chiefs are getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. And this isn't just this week. It's been in general. It's just been overlooked because they've been bad otherwise. They had five sacks on Bortles. They harassed them all game long. They forced four interceptions. They forced a forced fumble. I don't expect that they're going to get five turnovers from Brady. I don't even know if they'll get one. I think the Chiefs are going to win a shootout. I think the Chiefs right now are the best team in the AFC. Now, it's October. It's early. Things can change. But right now, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the conference because I think they can outscore anybody. And defensively, while I don't think they're good, I think they're starting to at least show a little bit of teeth. I think they're showing, hey, we can get a pass rush. We can make a play every once in a while. And if Eric Berry can come back, that'll be huge. Obviously, I don't, that doesn't seem to be this week. Um, I don't care that the game's in Foxborough. I really don't. I think the Chiefs are going to light them up. I think they're going to score a lot of points in the game. Uh, and if they do, they're far and away the favorite to be the one seed in the conference because they'd be up three on New England with a tiebreaker, and they'd be up at least two on Jacksonville on the breaker. So as it is, I think they're in firm shape to get a bye. They win this game. They're looking at a one seed. And the Chiefs are going to lose at some point. They're going to stumble. Mahomes is going to have a horrible game somewhere down the line. It's going to happen. But I don't think it's in this game. I think they find a way to win. That's well said. I mean, you're the, you're the Chiefs expert slash savant slash uh, martyr most of the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, from a strictly football fan perspective, is probably the most exciting quarterback I've seen in the last 15 years. And that's Aaron Rodgers and, and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. I'm not talking about the best quarterback of all time. I'm talking about I want to watch him play football. And I think that that's great. I think that's exactly what the sport needs. He's a, he's a young guy. He's going to be around for years. We talked about it before the show. Uh, you know, if the, if the Chiefs don't end up winning the Super Bowl this year, which is still pie in the sky, the idea is he is there. And that is some, that's a security blanket that the Chiefs have never had. And to, see, to, to go into a game against New England like this and have the sort of confidence to say, we have a quarterback who can, who can go blow for blow with Tom Brady, that's phenomenal. The defense is always going to be a question to me, but Eric Berry is going to come back at some point. Give me the Chiefs in this one just because Andy Reid is hitting like the peak of whatever this second era of his coaching career is going to be. He is repenting for all of the sins that he committed with Donovan McNabb and those teams that were really good but just not good enough. This is all of that coming back, and he is, he is on to something here, and he is in a groove. And when Andy Reid is in a groove, he is one of the best co- How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Touches in football history. He's not, you know, I'm not saying he's up there with Walsh, but he is a guy who we're going to look back in 50 years and say, hey, he, this guy... I mean, two quarterbacks in his career, Donovan McNabb and Patrick Mahomes. Like, wow. Hey, wow. Look, they want to, if they win a Super Bowl, Reed's a Hall of Famer. Uh, not even a question. Oh, yeah, Reed's big a Hall time. Of Famer. Easily. And, and, oh, by the way, everybody gets on Reed for his time management. 
Time management doesn't matter if you're up 30. <laughs> yeah, you true. know, time management goes out the window when you're just yep. beating the daylights out of everybody. Play. Look, I, I, I know the Chiefs at some point are going to lose a game. They're going to lose a couple of games. And their schedule's not easy. They got New England, then they got the Bengals next after that, and they, they play them in Arrowhead. But right now, the Chiefs have so many weapons on the team. I mean, look, let's face it. Jacksonville's got the best defense by any reasonable measure in the NFL. And Kansas City just went out and... One of the touchdowns was a defensive score. You know, I, I get all that. But, you know, it's also got to be factored in the Chiefs were protecting the lead in the second half of 20 to nothing at halftime. They, they throttled back to some degree. It's almost effortless with Kansas City. They get the ball, and it's just down the field. Here it comes. It can be short little plays. It can be chunk plays. It, it just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Um, if Kansas City even plays average defense, that team is going to be hell on wheels for anybody to play against because they offensively, they can just lay it on people. And look, I'll, I'll close it with this and we'll get to the Monday night game and be done with it. But uh, the Chiefs took 11 penalties in the game. And I am somebody who, when I'm watching the team that I support, penalties just drive me absolutely insane. The Chiefs took five personal foul penalties and had two of their best players ejected from the game. And you know what? There was a part of me that said, that team needs to be like that to some degree to win a championship. They, for all the years that they've had good teams there, especially under Reed, they've been soft at times. Denver has walked all over them. Denver has celebrated in their face. The Steelers have played bully ball with them, and they've knocked them around. And look, I'm not suggesting that I'm cool with any kind of dirty play or something like that, but Kansas City needs the attitude. They need the attitude that we're not going to take it. And you know what? If you listen to Andy Reid after the presser, or in his presser after the game, he basically said, in fact, he did say, can't have the ejections, but I like the fact that we're not getting pushed around. <laughs> yeah. That was his way of saying, I'm good with it. And you know what? He sure is, because they're, they're 5-0, and and they just beat Jacksonville 30-14. to Final game, and we can hit on it probably pretty briefly here. The Niners are at Green Bay on the Monday night game. That game would have been interesting if Garoppolo was healthy. He is not. He's out for the year. The Niners are 1-4. The, the Packers are just a mess. Uh, they're really the story here. They're favored by seven and a half in the game. They're two, two and one, uh, as, as are, excuse me, as are the Vikings, but they're trending in opposite directions. Look, I'll, I'll, I'm picking the Packers to win. I'm picking them to cover the spread because I think the Niners are awful and the game's at Lambeau in prime time. But what the heck is going on? You got Rodgers ticked off at McCarthy. McCarthy's like low-key taking shots back at, at, at Rodgers. Mason Crosby missed something like 39 field goals on Sunday against Detroit. He missed an extra point. Like, I just I don't understand how a team with that quarterback is struggling to score points, but here we are. Yeah, I, I wrote about this after the game. And I think I think we're in a, in a spot here that's really scary if you're a Packers fan and really scary if you're somebody who's invested a lot in Aaron Rodgers. Because this, the idea, the, him not being surrounded by talent, both on the field and in the coaching staff, is something that is now going to become a detriment in a way that it wasn't two, three, four years ago, even a year ago, if he doesn't get hurt. Right. The, this is not a new narrative. And it's not a lazy narrative. Don't let somebody bully you around and say, oh, you, you, you can't just say Mike McCarthy's not a good head coach. Mike McCarthy is not a good head coach. They have been to one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, who is arguably the greatest quarterback of this generation. One Super Bowl? Are you freaking kidding me? Okay, and you look at the other teams in football. You look at Sean McVay. You look at what the the Chiefs are doing with their offense. 
Why can't the Packers do that with the best quarterback in the league? Okay. You you have done this before on our show where, you know, Karm has come at you and said, you know, oh, you, you're just trying to say Patrick Mahomes is better than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, which he's not. But the fact that he's playing better than Aaron Rodgers is sinful. That is disgusting. That should not be happening. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football. Okay. Period. End of story. But he is not playing like one right now. Not because he's not good enough, but because finally he all this idea that he has not been surrounded by enough talent, both in the coaching staff and drawing up plays offensively, it's all catching up to him. And at some point we were going to run into a situation where he is not good enough to overcome all of that, which again is not because he's not the greatest quarterback of his generation, but because he's human. He is mortal. He's hurt. He's, he's, he's battling an injury. All of this is coming up. And if I'm a Packers fan, I am frustrated, I am upset, and I am angry that Mike McCarthy is the head coach and you're in a position where you have to say, oh, you know, that's a lazy take. It's not a lazy take. It's the right take. Aaron Rodgers should be the best quarterback in the best offense in football, and he's not. And that's all on McCarthy. That is all on the staff. And I'm sorry. Like, this, something needs to change. Somewhere Mike McCarthy. Has, has Mike McCarthy ever been seen in the same building with Bill O'Brien? <laughs> Have the two ever been no. a witness together? Oh, God. Fan-sided um, investigates. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, obviously we've touched on all the games now, uh, but quickly want to shout out to our sponsor, Fanatics. They do a great job with everything. We talk about it every week, but it is true. Get all your fan gear from them, whether it's a mug, a hat, a jersey, a hat, you, you name it, socks, uh, some kind of a novelty item. They have it all. Go to fansided.fanatics.com. Get 20% off the shipping when you use the promo code FANSIDED. Um, and uh, for a selfish plug, check out my Stack in the Box podcast. My podcast. Check out the column. <laughs> You're already checking out the podcast. Thank you. You're a good person. Check out my column. It goes up 6 o'clock Eastern every Monday. Covers all 32 teams in the league. A couple thousand words every week. Have a little fun, but we're also real serious when we hit our football topics. And, of course, on Tuesdays, uh, Josh and I are joined by Ashley Young and Mark Harmon on the fan-sided Facebook Live page, 1230 Eastern time. It's a half-hour video show. We cover a litany of topics. It is different than this podcast. You're not just getting the same uh, stuff regurgitated. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We have a good time with it. We make fun of Carm uh, for reasons that believe <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you tune in for five minutes, you'll understand. Um, that all being said, if, if you're just listening for the first time, thank you so much. If you're listening uh, for the 30th time, we really appreciate your, your loyalty to us. And please, if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, leave a rating, reach out to Hillary on Twitter or in an email. Uh, we'd always love to hear from you. And when we do, it really makes our day. So, uh, we appreciate the support, and we love doing this podcast, and we are unbelievably already approaching Week 6 in the NFL season. Hill, quickly, final thoughts on the week that was. Uh, RIP to anybody who wants to be a kicker in the NFL, because it's a rough, rough profession right now. Or maybe this is your time to get in it's on true. the ground floor. <laughs> uh, my final thought is right now it feels in the AFC like it is the Chiefs, and it's maybe New England, and it's everybody else. And if the Chiefs beat New England on Sunday – uh, it, it might be the Chiefs and everybody else, which I can't express to you how terrified I am of that state. <laughs> Believe me, that's not coming from a braggadocio place. That's coming from an absolute fear of God place. <laughs> but I, I think at this point, because of the quarterback and the coach, that's, that's a realistic possibility. So with that being said, he is Josh Hill. I am Matt Verdam. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.
At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. What? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto. And my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.